Okay, so this is something that I've learned uh, just in the last couple of years. This day, the baptism of the Lord, is oftentimes, uh, throughout church history, has, it's been associated with last week's feast day. Uh, if you remember last week, right, was the Epiphany, the, the visit of the Magi to Jesus uh, to give him their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the, the, the Epiphany, the Magi, and the baptism of the Lord, as well as the gospel that we're going to hear next week, which is the wedding feast at Cana. So that's, uh, as you probably know, that's when Jesus is at this wedding feast and they run out of wine. And Jesus performs his first miracle in the Gospel of John, which is to transform water into wine so that the wedding guests don't, or the wedding uh, party, the bride and the bridegroom, don't have to be ashamed that they ran out of wine for their party. Uh, so those three Gospel passages together have been associated with each other to make up this, this one day or this one celebration of Epiphany. Uh, we, we now have three weekends, right? So last weekend, this weekend, and next weekend uh, to, to sort of take some time to really absorb what is happening in this epiphany, right? So the word epiphany, it means uh, manifestation or revelation. In other words, in these three scenes, something is being revealed about Jesus. Now, we, we could argue that... Uh, and, and be right in saying that really, in, in some ways, every gospel passage that we read on Sundays and throughout the gospel, every gospel passage reveals something about Jesus. But, but I think as I've been thinking about this and reflecting on it, I think all three of these, we can take three themes from them or three things that are revealed and they sort of, sort of overlap or they, they're like an umbrella over everything else. So it's, it's like they encompass everything else that is revealed about Jesus. So to talk about this this week, like what is it that's, that's being revealed, right? What is it? So, because when something is revealed, right, that implies that it's not easily known, at least on the surface, right? To reveal something or to make something manifest, it means that there's, there's more to a situation or to a person than what meets the eye, right? So I, I see on the outside, I see Jesus, right? I can imagine him. I can imagine what it was like at his birth. I can imagine what it was like here at his baptism. I can imagine what it was like, uh, you know, for him on the cross. But the whole thing about, about what we believe as Christians is that there's more here than just what's on the surface, right? And we know this, right? We know that on the cross, we as Christians believe that this isn't just some guy hanging on the cross, but that there's something far deeper going on. So too in this epiphany, right, this, these are the things that are revealed. They're revealing what is it that's going on beneath the surface. So we can think about this. Let's just go back to last week, right? This is probably the easiest one. What is it to think about this? What is it that is revealed about Jesus in the visit of the Magi? The Magi tell us, right, in the Gospel of Matthew, they go to Herod and they say to Herod, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Right, so in this child who on the surface looks like any other child, in fact, he looks like just a poor child, right, born in poverty. But beneath the surface, the Magi are able somehow, by God's grace, 
to see something and in seeing it, they reveal it for the rest of us. That this child isn't just some child, but that in fact, he's a king. And, and that the Magi are coming is a sign for us, right? So there's the initial revelation, and then there are other things that we can see in the passage itself. So they declare him to be the king of the Jews. And yet these Magi, people who are not Jewish, Gentile people, right? They come and they give him their gifts and they lay down and worship him as though he's their king too. Right, so the thing that's, that's revealed or made manifest in the visit of the Magi is that Jesus is the king and he's not just the king of the Jews, but that he's the king of all people. He's, he's the one who is meant to rule over all people. And this is, this is also revealed in our second reading today in Acts chapter 10. So it's in this scene, Peter has been brought by God's revelation to these people who are non-Jewish, they're Gentile believers in God. And these Gentile believers in God say to Peter, God appeared to us and told us that we need to, to find you so that you can come and give us a message. And so we're here and you're here and we're ready for whatever you want to say to us. And it's in that moment that the lights all go on for Peter and he sees God at work here. He sees that the gospel message is not just meant for the Israelites, for the Jewish people, but that in fact, the gospel message is meant for all. And so that's why he says, right? In truth, I see that God shows no partiality. Rather in every nation, whoever fears him and acts uprightly is acceptable to him. Right? Peter has his own sort of epiphany in this moment, this own, his own sort of, sort of like revelation of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then from that point on, he begins to preach to them the gospel message. He begins to preach to them what God has done in the person of Jesus so that they too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They too can receive the gift of salvation. Right, so this is the first point. Jesus is the king and not just king of like an elite group or king of a particular group, but Jesus Christ is meant to be king over all. So maybe we can ask ourselves before we move on, if he's meant to be king over all, is he the king of my life and of yours? Do you allow yourself, do you present yourself to Jesus saying to him, Jesus, I submit myself to you. I surrender myself to your sovereignty. I allow you to rule over my life so that it is not what I wish, but Jesus, whatever you wish, that I will do. The second manifestation today, the baptism of the Lord. Again, think about this. What is it in our gospel passage that is revealed? And I know many of us, we can, we can think about this. Like, I don't have to think about it. I know it. But for some of us, maybe we got to think a little bit. What is it that's revealed about Jesus in the passage about his baptism? It's that Jesus isn't just some ordinary man. 
Just like he's no ordinary baby, he is a king and king over all. So too, Jesus isn't just some ordinary man, but it's revealed that he actually shares in the divinity of God, that he is the Son of God. That means that he is divine. Jesus Christ is God, and it's in this passage that our God is revealed to be three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? To imagine, like imagine putting yourself in this scene where, where like there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people coming to John the Baptist to, to be baptized for the repentance of their sins. And then suddenly, John shifts all of his attention to this one guy who comes. He gives all of his attention to Jesus, this, this seemingly ordinary man. And then Jesus goes in to be baptized. And when he's baptized, right, then it's like things change. Like the skies are open. You can imagine the beam of sunlight coming down and, and the, the dove descending, right? This, this, this thing descending from the heavens and landing on Jesus. And then this voice that doesn't, it doesn't seem to have any origin, but it's just coming from above. You are my son, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Right? To imagine being in that, it's like, who is this guy? What's going on right now? And then you remember the words that John said, one mightier than I is coming. And it's like, oh my gosh. You might even say, and be legitimate in saying, oh my God. This is who Jesus is. Not just some ordinary man, but God himself who has taken on the limitations and the weakness of our human flesh. He comes and he says to John the Baptist, I must be baptized. Even though everybody knows that, that he's God and so he couldn't have sinned. Yet he takes on our, in taking on our human nature, he insists on sharing with us all things, including sin. And so he says, I too, as a representative from God, and as a representative now of the human nature, I must be baptized so that I can begin my mission of restoration, my mission of going about proclaiming the gospel and proclaiming the gospel of healing and salvation. This is what's revealed about Jesus in this moment. It's, it's so incredible. And so maybe the next question that we ask ourselves before we turn to Cana is, is this. It's like, do you believe it? Right? We could even say before we answer the question of, am I willing to submit myself to the, the royalty, the kingship of Jesus? Even before I answer that question, I first have to answer the question, do I believe that this man is not just some ordinary man, but that he is God himself? Because if I don't believe this, if I don't believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, then I don't care that he's a king. But if I believe this, if I truly believe that Jesus Christ is God made man, God come in the flesh, then I don't care if I call him the king or the prime minister or the president. I don't care. But I just like, I just say, Jesus, I give myself to you because you are God. And you're so good. And like, what are you doing? You become weak like me 
You become human like me. You're, you're divine. You're perfect. You have all the glory, all the majesty. And here you are coming to share life with me. How could I do anything but cling to you from now on? Right, but we, but you have to answer that individually. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, right? Isaiah says this in, in, in chapter 40 that we, we heard, right? Here is your God. Here comes with power the Lord God who rules by a strong arm. Jesus Christ, here is your God. He has come for you to set you free, to take on your weaknesses, to take on your sins so that you can be made whole. Here he is. This is what's manifest about Jesus in his baptism. Now, what's manifest next week in the wedding at Cana? What's manifest is this, right? Jesus takes water and he turns it into wine. He does something impossible. The first of his miracles. What's manifest about Jesus, what's revealed about him, is that he has power with him. John the Baptist talks about this. One mightier than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus has come, not just as some ordinary child, not just as some ordinary man, but as a king and as a God, and he doesn't come just to sort of hang out with us, but he comes to be powerful in your life and in mine. He comes to do things for you, to give you things so that you can know his power and respond to him appropriately. This is what's revealed about him. Here is your God. He comes with power to rule by his strong arm. Jesus Christ has gifted you a whole bunch of things. He has gifted you salvation. He has gifted you his grace. He has gifted you with healing and power. And he's also gifted each one of us you and me with particular gifts that he wants us to use, that he wants you individually to use, that he wants me individually to use for the sake of building up his kingdom, for the sake of spreading his gospel. Because you guys, this is the thing. If all of this is true, if it's true that Jesus Christ is God made flesh, who is the king over all and who has power to do amazing things for us. If this is true, then this is a message, you guys, that has to spread. And if it's not spreading, then something has gone terribly wrong. Do you know that God has given gifts to you for you to use and you must use them? To spread the message of what God has done in the person of Jesus, his son, to other people, especially and above all to people who are not in this church right now. Do you know this? And so maybe we can just finish with a simple question for you to spend reflecting and asking the Lord for help. Is to simply say, what have you given to me, Lord? 
how can I, how can I share the gospel? Jesus, you've done so much for me. You've revealed yourself to me. You have been powerful to me, maybe in ways that I don't even know. Right at Cana, the wedding, the wedding couple, they might not even have known how powerful Jesus was for them in providing water that became wine. And so Jesus, maybe in some ways, I don't even know how incredibly generous you've been with me. I don't know how incredibly good you have been toward me. But Jesus, I want to open myself up to finding out. Jesus, just as you manifest yourself to all the world, so now, Jesus, I want you to manifest yourself, to reveal yourself to me in my life and to reveal to me your power. Because I want to spread the gospel. I want to share your grace and your power and your love with the people around me. But I just got to know how. And then lastly, to think about this. Who's one person in your life? One person that you can share this with. Who's one person, maybe someone you work with, maybe someone in your family who stopped coming to church, maybe a friend. Who's one person? And maybe they won't respond, and that's not up to you. That's up to the Lord. But what is up to you is that the Lord has given you gifts. And he expects you to use them. What's one person? Who is one person that you can reach out to this week by sitting down with them and having a conversation maybe, or writing them a letter, or doing some, some act of service in the name of Jesus, or offering special sacrificial prayers for them, fasting, or going out of your way to pray for them by like coming to church and, and, and doing something, right? What's, what's one way that you can share the gospel with this person so that, brothers and sisters, the epiphany of the Lord, the manifestation of what God has done in the person of Jesus can continue to spread and grow throughout the world in this community so that all people can come to know the power of God.